0: Hello and welcome back to the Faultline Social Podcast. My name is Fraser and today I sat down with Alex from Despised Icon and formerly of Bay the Brave. And we spoke about his time in his bands, his uh, his new career, ventures, his personal life and everything in between. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We were both super nervous to uh, A, be recording a podcast for the first time in my case and B, for him being interviewed for the first time in such a long time. So we kind of balance each other out and it's made for what is, in my opinion, a pretty good episode. So hope you enjoy. How you doing, man? It's good to speak to you.
1: Great, man. Nice to meet you. Uh, yeah, how's you too, everything man? on your end? You're in, the, you're, you're in uh, the UK, correct?
0: Yeah, we're in the UK. You, you're in uh, Montreal, right? Sure I am. Nice. I was just watching a, uh, like a travel guide for Montreal whilst I was waiting then. Just to see what it's all about. I, uh,
1: I apologize for the delay, man. I uh, I was watching Waterworld on Netflix.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: then I just got sucked right in and sort of forgot what time it was. And uh, I remember seeing that movie when I was a teenager. And I, re- I remember hearing a lot about how much it cost. And it was like the the, the cost- costliest uh, movie in Hollywood history back then. And uh, so then I fell down fell in that YouTube uh, rabbit (laughs) hole of, you know, what the fuck happened during production. So quite interesting, actually.
0: What happened to it? Why was it so costly? I've never seen it, so.
1: I mean, they filmed the whole thing uh, on water. So obviously, uh, it's kind of a volatile set, you know, with uh, storms, hurricanes. Oh, wow. You know, the weather or water. So uh, it... uh, Took a lot more time, a lot more money. Uh, I think a lot of stories in between Kevin Costner and the director, a lot of egos, not the right, not the, you know, them not being able to have that same vision uh, while filming the movie. Lots of... uh, uh, plot holes and whatnot so anyways uh, apparently it's one of the it's one of those last movies that was made without cgi you know those types of productions you know i was gonna say around then there was like a jurassic park so then they just you know photoshopped those dinosaurs way easier than you know actually
0: constructing
1: uh, dinosaurs and whatnot
0: it's, it's surprising that they actually went out on boats and film the whole thing on water when like that probably wouldn't happen now they'd probably just CGI the whole thing in especially yeah, if it was so exactly. costly exactly so how uh, how are you find are you still in lockdown in montreal
1: uh sure i am uh as of so today is thursday correct
0: yeah yeah so
1: as of monday they reopened uh, a lot of businesses for like a little over Month or stripped down to only essential businesses being opened uh, right now Montreal we are a red zone quite a dramatic terminology I don't know if you guys use the color code
0: no we have uh, tears
1: but uh yeah. okay
0: we have tears we have like tier yeah, red one, zone tier man red zone is cool write a song and call it red zone <laughs> yeah you should man that's a badass name that's way cooler than tier 4 that's what we have tier 4 I
1: mean I like that it doesn't sound as dramatic, but uh, yes, Montreal being a a red zone, Montreal probably the worst city in uh, Canada, unfortunately, as far as COVID is concerned. I don't want to say the C word too much, but it is what it is. So we have an 8 p.m. curfew. Uh, You guys have a curfew right now or not?
0: Fully in lockdown. So um, you're not meant to go out at all, really, unless it's completely essential. Wow
1: okay well good luck with that one day at a time my friend
0: yeah that's it so um how have you kept yourself busy uh during um (laughs) well uh for the first time in over
1: 10 years i got a job outside of music uh i am a service manager at a microbrewery here in montreal it's called the sorum which is latin for the reaper uh, mesoram spelled m-e-s-s-o-r-e-m and so we're we're doing quite well for ourselves actually we've been open for about a year and a half or so uh very supportive uh, fan base i would say uh topped three or four in canada currently so knock on wood things uh maintain during these weird times but uh uh so Alcohol being considered uh, an essential, alcohol and weed, you know, being considered an essential service, an essential need. Uh, By default, we are still open throughout this entire thing. You know, obviously our tap room and terrace are closed, but uh, we're essentially just a big ass beer store now and people just show up, buy beer to go. And uh, yeah, so we're still releasing new beers every week or so. So that's been keeping me busy for the time being.
0: Oh that's cool yeah i I looked into um into uh your the beer company i uh, I've just okay. thought it's quite interesting like what what led up to you um you know taking a career in that route because I, I I've seen that you also work as an artist manager so um, yes. so you know what what what's the link there like what skills kind of cross over and like how are you enjoying uh, taking on uh, the new challenges for working for a beer company?
1: Well, full disclosure, the way, the, the way this came around was, uh, uh, you know, I've been, I've been playing shows since, you know, mid late nineties. Uh, I've been touring outside of Canada since, uh, you know, summer 2001, you know, that's when my first U S tour was, uh, uh, fall 2003. That was my first European tour. Uh, I've traveled a lot toured a lot, um. I've been fortunate enough to um, live those experiences and put out a lot of records and all that culminated to 2019, uh, during which I released um, uh, two records, one with Obey the Brave, uh, my metal uh, core band, and one with Despised Icon, my death core band. And uh, I don't know, you know, the whole marketing uh surrounding everything you know a lot of management as you just pointed out i'm very involved uh in the management side of things and then creatively speaking i'm one of the main contributors uh you know uh, writing wise whether it's sonically or just the whole artistic uh direction you know visually in and, and uh and audio so it's just it took its toll man i just got super burnt out i remember like uh, getting back from europe uh fall 2019 and then a friend of mine like facetimed me at like midnight or something and he was like what's up man you look burned i'm like yeah i am and then he was like why don't you you know come by the the, the brewery hang out with the boys because uh my friend started it friends from the scene oh nice uh he says if you want to work a few hours just you know Get your mind uh, off things, you know. You're more than welcome. And so, I was like, man. And then the next day, another one of my friends that works there hit me up saying the same thing. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try out something completely different. And uh, here I am, you know, uh, a year and three months later, and loving the overall experience. So, uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta try out new things in life. You might be pleasantly surprised.
0: I mean, yeah, I bet after. 2019 releasing two records, I can imagine something a bit different would be a nice, you know, nice bit of variety for you.
1: Yeah, nice change of pace. Uh, And, you know, I have a, I have a lot of experience in regards to management, I've managed other bands as well, aside from my own. And so now i manage the service team whether it's people in the kitchen or people behind the bar or people taking care of uh you know greeting people at our bar so uh, same same but different in a way so yeah. i i enjoy the new challenge so far and uh as much as i love music as much as i love traveling it it really does feel good to be in one place for more than a few weeks at a time so yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a great experience, and it allowed me uh, time to figure out a lot of shit. You know, constantly traveling, it's sort of it's it feels like you're always sweeping things underneath the rug. You're like, all right, I got to leave on tour now, or I got this and that going on. I'll I'll take care of that later. And then you wake up a few years later, and you're like, holy shit, still haven't taken care of that. So yeah, I, I feel very much, uh, I feel a lot more balanced now, uh, grounded. And it gave me the opportunity to just miss music, like, uh, for the first six to nine months or so did not give a fuck, man. Like I I wanted, I was completely elsewhere. And now it's gotten to a point where not only do I miss music, but I dream about being on tour literally like once or twice a week, religiously. I don't know why I keep dreaming that I'm on tour. So yeah, it's reassuring. Uh, it's, it's good to know that I'm, I'm genuine, you know, I'm 40 years out. For 40 years old now so i guess you could say that uh music will forever be part of my life
0: i mean yeah it's cool i was gonna say are you missing it because if if you you know you started this new thing but um it's cool to see that you're still still passionate about both things you released um did you get to tour much off purgatory or was that you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) not one show we haven't a single show off purgatory So Uh, for anyone uh, watching this right now, Purgatory is Despised Icon's sixth record. Uh, We have been a band since 2002. Uh, We were quite excited on that record in particular, uh, anxious to support it on the road. Uh, We only tour the equivalent of about more or less three weeks to a month a year uh you know us all being in our late 30s early 40s now uh most of the dudes being family men and being very grounded at home with their you know uh work obligations as well um it's impossible for us to tour full-time so whenever we do have the opportunity to to tour we very much look forward to it and so we were supposed to do a full european's festival run in twenty twenty which got canceled and postponed to this year. And unfortunately by the looks of it, it's, you know, odds are that might get canceled as well. So I don't know, it is what it is. So long story short, we did not get to support that record on the road.
0: So like, how does that make you feel about like the release? Do you you wish that you released it sooner or later or or would you not change anything, um, you know, in regards to touring?
1: I'm glad we released it when we released it. Cause you know, only a few months later, this whole thing happened. So, uh, you know, um, we did one North American tour, uh, fall of 2019, which was sort of like a promo campaign for the record, even though it wasn't out yet, it was the tour leading to the record. Yeah. Uh, um i love picking out picking and choosing the bands that we bring out on tour you know i remember when we launched day of mourning uh for our canadian tour we put trapped under ice uh with the Acacia Strain and cryptopsy you know those were headlining shows you know such a mixed bill so it's always been fun doing mixed bills our last european tour was uh vulvodynia like a slam band from south africa with you know arch fire technical death metal band from canada and uh fuck malevolence Malevolence, yeah i was gonna ask you about US, that one
0: because i was like at
1: bill that was that was a sick tour oh you yeah. were okay that yeah was, i was up on the shows. that was good times man yeah uh and then uh so all that led to our uh you know we only do a a continent per year so that led us to north america again uh in 2019 fall 2019 with uh who was on that tour uh shadow of intent sick death Corbin, technical uh uh who else ingested kublai khan you know we had the varmint playing a couple of regional shows uh I declare war playing a few regional shows suffocation, playing some regional shows on that. So, uh, I'm glad we at least got to do that tour a few months, uh, before the pandemic hit, you know, I would have been super bummed out to cancel that one. So yeah. uh, it is what it is. And at this point, you know, us being a band for 19 years or so, we're in it for the long run. So sooner or later, all this will, um, Go away! I would like to. I would like to believe so, and things will be back to normal or semi uh, normal, and uh, we'll do it all over again. So we're in it for the long run. So
0: nice. We'll be back eventually. <laughs> That's good. So you always seem to bring out, like you said, like a mix of, you know, you always seem to have the the more heavy, the suffocations the ingested, but then you also <laughs> seem to have the the hardcore bands, Malevolence, Kublai Khan. And that seems to like kind of perfectly describe what uh, Despised Icon is really, because you have these, you know, real fast death metal parts, but then you also have the the hard stuff. Um, is that intentional with your with your tour supports, just to kind of, you know, do you feel like you're mostly playing to hardcore kids or to deathcore kids, or
1: uh, a, a good balance of both, you know. Uh um we have often been described as that one metal band uh that hardcore kids appreciate and then vice versa sometimes metalheads say are you're the only hardcore band that i uh listen to and so that's been both a strength and a weakness but it's also a way to stand out and uh uh, you know when we started this band uh, we grew up mainly in the death metal scene but this was band number two or three for every single member of the band and we wanted to do something different hence uh that uh hardcore uh influence in our music yeah sometimes a bit of grindcore as well you know and the uh that's why we called it deathcore and back then there was no death scene you know, it was. Uh, I remember our first. We were touring with like Immolation and Suffocation and Deicide and Morbid Angel and Behemoth, and uh, it was quite hard, man. It uh, it was. uh it, We definitely got tested on the road, but uh we just love what we do. So slowly but surely, people start start getting into it, and the rest is history, you know.
0: So, so how did it feel when you guys took a break and then you came back and? deathcore was just this thing now because deathcore is just a common term now isn't it for the full yeah i mean the the landscape
1: that i just described the landscape that i just described of of touring was for like the first half of the 2000s right um and then I, uh, i always perceived 2007 as being that magical year when all of a sudden instead of touring with morbid angel we were on tour with the red cord and Job for a Cowboy and Suicide Silence and Oceano, Carnifex, uh, Winds of Plague. It, it was the start of something new. It was very exciting to be part of that. Uh, All Shall Perish. I cannot, uh, you can't forget All Shall Perish or Animosity. Uh, those are some of the first uh, bands within that scene that we toured with. Uh, it was super, uh, super exciting to be part of that. And then at some point, real life got in the way and we got a little burnt out and we broke up in 2010. And that's when the whole uh, MySpace death core thing was started The sort of like people started to be less involved in that, sort of grew out of it, I guess. And then, yeah, we broke up for, for we, we were inactive for a solid four years and then one thing led to another, started being super nostalgic. Everybody had, you know, everybody was experiencing being a dad for the first time uh, or being in a nine to five workplace for the first time, you know, quite a lot of changes when we originally disbanded. And so that was a lot to intake. And once they all got used to that and they sort of had that new routine going, you know, that allowed some headspace to dive back into music. And so the way that came about was we went and saw I think it was a carcass tour. And uh Gorguts were supporting and the Black Dahlia Murder were supporting and Max, who played bass in the Spies Icon towards. Um uh, uh the last three years for the last three years of the band he's in the black dahlia he's been with black dahlia uh since 2011 and yeah. so we went i mean black dahlia being one of the bands that we've toured with the most you know to begin with so we went to hang out with them we went to hang out with max and then Gorguts have this guy i uh, pat playing drums and the only drummer we ever got to fill in for grind our drummer was pat uh, that that was his first uh, that was his first tour, uh, you know, with the Spies Icon filling in. We were on tour with uh, the Acacia Strain, See you next Tuesday. Full blows, full blown chaos, and Tony Danza Tap Dance Tap Dance Extravaganza. That was, anyways, just old shit. So we went and hung out with Pat, hung out with Black Dahlia and and Max, and then
0: started. Uh, I'll start coming I, back to you.
1: Yeah, all these tour stories. And it was also like the core members from the Spies being all from Montreal. uh, It was our first time hanging out together in like three, four years, literally. So one thing led to another and we were like, let's play a couple of reunion shows in 2014. I think we did a few uh, European shows or like those Impericon festivals uh, and like some side shows with Brutality Will Prevail. Um, They're from the UK, right? and yeah. uh, cerebral Bore, they're a death metal band from the uk as well i believe or glasgow i forget anyways one thing led to another and we were like fuck man let's do this again yeah that's uh, like the next year 2015 we played uh two ghost fest uh, uh to those two ghost fests yeah. which i believe were the last editions of ghost fest and then we were just like fuck it let's uh let's let's uh let's do this again and so the core members got back together uh the original lineup from uh the healing process and the deals of modern man days so uh you know the 2004 to 2007 era for a second and third record you know uh we got back together and we've been together ever since you know
0: nice i guess it's the whole thing of you know absence makes the the heart on fonder. So if you, sometimes you just got to take some time away from something to really appreciate it, especially like you said that you've been touring nonstop since, you know, the beginning sometimes yeah. you just need that little break.
1: Yeah, we needed that break and fast forward 10 years later to 2019 and I needed that break again. Yeah. And it always felt like, you know, I couldn't take time for myself, you know, um, uh, jumping from a band to another and, uh, There's always this golden ticket you know this 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 tour opportunity that you just can't refuse because obviously you want to you want your band to uh maintain that level or get to the next level and stay relevant so that we can keep playing music for a living you know because that's what we love the most and so uh yeah 2020 was just an opportunity to finally slow things down and and uh put myself uh, on the forefront of things and finally you know do a little practice a little bit of self-care And so, um, here I am, I find myself missing music quite a lot, uh, terribly actually. And for the first time I'm just writing music for the pure love of it, uh, in quite some time, you know, sometimes you have this tour going on, or you have this album schedule, you know, that sort of intertwines with, you know, the label strategy and whatnot. And this time around, it's just like, Hey. Eric, I missed you, man. Let's just write a song. I came up with this riff. What do you think? (laughs) Simple as that. So uh, I think uh, what this year will allow us to do is for the first time just write and rehearse a record uh, in the jam space. Normally we write a lot in the studio or we write a lot, you know, two, three months leading to the recording. And now, now for the first time, we just get to write a bunch of songs and sit on them for a while. I'll the your prep which will be different normally i learn these core them and sometimes write them as in, as i'm in the studio booth so there is a magic there you know you're stressed out and you're just like oh and you have that raw energy and and there's a lot of magic that uh that comes from that but i i'm uh, happy to try out uh, a new way of writing and proceeding things and I feel like the next record will uh, benefit
0: from that. Nice. That's a cool takeaway from, you know, quite a horrible world situation. It's nice that, that you're coming away with some positives, you know, if you find out a lot about yourself, like you said about self. Yeah, East. it's important, man. It's, yeah. Um, so, the glasses is, is, half,
1: is, half, is half full, definitely.
0: That's nice. I was, I was looking at the lyrics for the last album. And there's, you know, you've got some tracks on there, such as the title track, that are very, the lyrics are very, like, nihilistic, kind of hopeless sounding. And then there's others, like Lightspeed, that are overtly positive. Um, Uh How important do you think it is to be in a heavy band that spreads that message of positivity, even in a band Uh that's just as despised?
1: Uh, great question. Uh, I think we all go through, uh, it's just navigating through those ups and downs, you know. Uh, uh, sometimes we, uh, we all have uh, that feeling of hopelessness, you know. Uh, definitely last year and this year, we've all gone through that. Uh, but I feel like you can't enjoy the good without a bit of the bad, you know. And sure. so, um, some of those songs do come out as being negative, but there is there is always a, pos- a positive outcome, you know, and, uh, the song purgatory or the concept behind that record is just being kind of stuck in that in between and, and, and just trying to make sense of it all. And, uh, um, uh, but I think now more than ever, uh, I use, you know, it's often easier for me to, um, use that music or my music or art as an outlet to get rid of all that negative energy, you know, the balance things out in my daily life and, uh, and, and, uh, and get rid of that sense of hopelessness, you know, it's, it's self, uh, it's self therapy. Yeah. And, um, um, it's often easier for me to write a song than, uh, you know, pick up the phone and talk about shit. So, um, um, Yeah, I'm always clumsy in regards to these questions, but uh, you have part of, the, part of the answer there.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just thought it's cool. You know, it's, it's rare that you hear a band that sounds as hard as Despised Icon does, but you have lyrics that are um, so, you know, positive. Like the song Lightspeed, the lyrics are, are just like, get up and go basically, like it's extremely positive lyrics. And definitely, definitely, I mean,
1: yes and no in the sense Is I wrote that song uh, while we were in the studio, the way things came about is I finished writing the whole musical aspect uh, of the record with Eric and Grind, our drummer, Eric, our guitar player, and then uh, left on tour with Obey the Brave, my other band. So uh, as soon as I finished writing the record, left on tour. Uh, for three weeks or so otb and a mule touring europe and as soon as i got back i had to go in the vocal booth and record the vocals and i only had like a third of the record written then and on top of that just taking care of like you know uh, relationships with the label the booking agency doing accounting uh you know the whole business side of things and i, I just remember always being rushed in time and and having all my responsibilities, just uh, being kind of a hindering force on all of my creativity and just being in, you know, in the studio uh, recording vocals uh, and, and just constantly feeling like I'm on the run, having no time for a social life and just being, a working beast, you know, a workhorse. And then yeah. Uh yeah, and then I don't know, that's how that's how light speed came about just trying to reach uh, that ultimate level of productivity but sort of uh sac- sacrificing uh, uh that selflessness or self-care in the process, you know? Just yeah. being a, produ- a pr- productivity machine and there is magic uh that happens in cases like that, like the song Lightspeed, which uh, I wrote really rapidly and which is a very fast song. And there is definitely that energy uh, when you listen to the song, it's it's hectic. It's just like, you're about to explode, you know? But uh, I'm looking forward to, as I said, um, experiencing other ways of writing so that we can uh, keep evolving as artists and as songwriters and have the next record be different from Purgatory and the records that you know uh,
0: came before that. Nice. So going back to those earlier records um, and the start of Just By Zykon, uh how did you guys break out of the Montreal scene um, right at the start?
1: <sighs> Slow and steady man. Um, like we keep uh, referring to 20, uh, 2002 as you know uh, the first year of the band. That's when we started playing shows. Uh, that's when our first record consumed by your Poison came out so 19 years ago. but uh, we actually uh, started rehearsing and Eric and I started like writing you know the first record and picking out members here and there uh, in fall of 2000. So the first year and a half or so was just us uh, jamming with various members, uh, perfecting the style, writing the first record. And and at some point, my friend Dave Boucher at Extensive Enterprise, who is still uh, my favorite promoter here in Montreal, uh, is like, yo, uh, the bloodletting North America tour is hitting Montreal. I feel like that was like the second edition uh deeds of flesh were headlining with uh this Gorge and this about and he was like i heard through the grapevines that you're starting a new band uh and it's a death metal uh oriented band Do you guys want to open it i was like sure man but like we've never played a show we don't even have a band name so uh yeah beginning of 2002 we just came up with the name despised icon just to play that show <laughs> and the rest yeah. is history but uh that first year 2002 we played 6 shows and then 2003 we played 5 shows uh you know
0: you got to remember the, this were you the drummer at the time before, uh
1: and I was the drummer at the time exactly and um you got to remember back then beginning of 2000s uh this was before internet was uh the main thing you know this is before uh, social media before myspace before youtube so uh, uh, we didn't have um those tools of self-promotion you know yeah we were still at shows handing out flyers uh speaking to people in person you know the old school way trying to promote yourself so it was slow and steady back then and uh, being a Canadian band making it out of Canada was 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 quite difficult because uh, of you know that internet landscape was lacking, and so um, yeah, first two years we played eleven shows, as I said, and then two thousand four hit. Uh, a lot of things happened that year. Uh, I had tendonitis. I had to you know stop playing drums. For a while, and I was like, fuck, I don't, I, I love drums, but I just want to be in a band, you know? And right now, I can't use my arms, so I can't play guitar, can't play drums, so I'm just going to figure out how to scream. Yeah. And that uh, coincided with Mary, our, our original vocalist. Uh, she wasn't really into our new shit because of the more present hardcore influences, and she had just gotten married and did not want to. Uh, tour in 2004 was the year that we decided let's just go all in so she left i took her spot on vocals and i was like guys there's this drummer on the internet goes by the name of alex grind on message boards because back then message boards were a thing you know uh the pre-social media era yeah and he just he's always on social media saying that he's going to be faster than flow from cryptopsy and at first when i read that i was like Fuck you, man. Nobody is faster than flow. <laughs> Who the fuck do you think you are? You know? <laughs> so I was like, I hate this guy. But then I saw him play with this first band. I was like, holy shit, this guy is insane. And uh, so I was like, all right, I'm going to try out this vocal thing and we're going to try him out on drums. And luckily they went along with my lead. And that's when, you know, the healing process era of the band started. Recorded a two song demo, hand assembled demos, sent them to a through snail mail through a handful of labels. And they actually paid attention and was like, what the fuck is this sound? You know? Yeah. And next thing you know, we got a bunch of offers and signed to Central Media and Relapse Records somehow that same year, put out a split CD. Uh, on relapse beginning of 2005 and then spring of 2005 that's when the healing process came out and that's when we finally got our shot at touring America and a year or two later touring the Europe and so on and so forth you know so it was it was it took us quite a while you know it was definitely not overnight long story short <laughs> that's the takeaway
0: yeah so do you do you think um you know how you mentioned? you know, struggling to get out of the Montreal scene. Do you think it's, obviously it's going to be much easier now through the internet and stuff, but how many bands do you think, you know, um, get the attention that they're deserving from the uh, the Canadian scenes?
1: I mean, from from that era, there were only a handful of bands that were touring outside of the country. In the death metal scene, you know, uh, Gorguts were amongst the first... You know, you cannot forget Voivod, you know, that, you know, created that pathway for us. Uh, But, you know, Gorguts, you know, sign a Roadrunner, big deal. But for me personally, you know, there was Cataclysm as well. Uh, The Suderville Hood era, uh, the original vocalist back when Maurizio was the bass player. But for me and and my bandmates in The Spies and a lot of my friends, you know, that band was Cryptopsy. Uh, And the fact that they actually made his name for themselves outside of Montreal and outside of Canada. And were, you know, doing these shows and festivals outside of the country and, and same with, you know, in a hardcore scene, come back kid, you know, uh, with turn it around, uh, you know, the fact that they could do it and same for misery signals. We are like, fuck man, you know, uh, if they can do it, you know, we're, we can do it. Let's just go yeah. all in and do everything we possibly can to get the fuck out of Canada. Not, the, not that we dislike Canada, we love Canada, but you know, as far as, you know, our scene is concerned, you know, uh, it, it's hard for us to make it out of the country for starters, just, uh, visa fees, you know, it's a lot of paperwork, a lot of money, uh, months of waiting, um, uh, not, not, not a lot of underground bands have those resources, you know, to um, to make it out outside of the country, you know. Um, yeah. I don't know how things will be with Brexit and everything, but I would yeah. imagine things could get a whole lot complicated as well.
0: I was gonna say we probably will end up having a similar situation here in the UK through Brexit. Um, they're already starting to mention visa visa fees and stuff for going to going to the mainland, which we currently don't need. So. It- yeah, it's
1: rough, man. Good luck with that. And, and, you know, it's going to have an impact not only on bands from, from, uh, from the UK, but for international bands. that want to make it your way. You know, I can't see it being easier now. Definitely not. And uh, I I remember when Obey the Brave, my other band started out in 2012 and it reached a point back then where visa treatment was a hundred days, a hundred days, man. And, you know, you know, just as much as I do, that a lot of these tours do not get announced a hundred days prior to its time, you know, so it was quite complicated, it still is, but uh, those were the times, and, uh, but, you know, if it were easy, it would be worth it, you know, and uh, I love music more than anything, and I just, it was my one and only goal, you know, yeah. as soon as i picked up a pair of drumsticks when i was a teenager in high school everything else became just background noise nothing else really mattered outside of me starting a band with a bunch of friends uh being an, an only child i never had access to that bond you know that a band offers that brotherhood you know yeah uh, i'd see movies like et and goonies and you know that crew of friends you going out for adventure no that's something that i i was always kind of an introvert it's never something that i experienced and music was my way of experiencing that so um yeah i don't know i just did everything i possibly could to get to that point i don't consider myself that talented i just think i have a lot of drive (laughs) a lot of passion in me yeah at least i would like to think
0: but it's it's worth the challenge then for you know so that you can do what you're passionate about it's worth the you know, well, fees, well, fees and everything
1: of course of course don't let it get to you man uh whether it's music or if you want to be an engineer or if you want to be a basketball player uh, who cares man just apply that to anything that you are passionate about you know yeah Uh, uh, but uh to answer your original question as far as current canadian bands uh i mentioned archspire earlier uh i know they are doing well i know their name is getting a whole lot bigger uh their first european tour was with us actually with despised in 2018 can't remember yeah it's like to be glad to be part of that process so they're doing well uh in the death metal world uh, again there is beyond creation that are, that are doing well um technical death metal i believe they're with avocado booking uh, did quite a few tours uh in your neck of the woods so um i would like to think that they're uh getting bigger and bigger as well uh if not other canadian bands uh from quebec city um uh, get the shot i know uh they're like a hardcore band that's uh doing a lot of stuff in europe i yeah. think more uh, mainland europe but you know they've toured with flying hard and nasty and stuff like that um, yeah
0: I've, I've seen them uh i've seen them in the uk as well get okay cool uh
1: if not i was uh, managing some of my close friends they're called boundaries another hardcore band from uh oh, yeah from quebec city uh i got them this tour with uh was on that tour it was these nuts and uh thrash talk and i believe that hit the uk as well and uh they got paid nothing to be on that tour straight up they invested out of pocket uh, to be the opening band and you know i keep saying throughout this podcast you'll get tested and you know you really got want wanted for it to happen and i feel like you know you got to invest money to make that money in the future. So uh, let that be a lesson to you out there. If you wanna, if you wanna start a band, don't let the money thing be uh, uh, the motivation behind it all. Because it's gonna yeah. be rough at first, but it is a way. Uh, there is a way to make a decent income out of it
0: if you are persistent.
1: So yeah, but a, a lot of a lot of good Canadian bands out there. It's just uh, yeah, you got to pay attention.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I've I'm already. I listened to a couple of, um, you know, Canadian hardcore bands. You've got, uh, I don't know if you've heard of mortality rate and serration who are from, uh, Calgary who are both uh, Um, Canadian. hardcore. Quite frankly,
1: I, I have not mortality Rate. I'll check them out.
0: Check them out, man. They're really good. Um, the thing
1: is, is Calgary and Alberta, uh, the province in which Calgary is located is on the other side of the coast, you know? So, uh, thousands of kilometers away.
0: Yeah. that's the big there, difference there, there between, is
1: quite a difference between their scene and ours
0: you know yeah. see that's what's so strange to me when i speak to somebody from canada or the us or something is that you know you're from the same country so i would say like the canada scene but those two places are so far apart whereas yeah, in, in the uk it's like you have a london scene you have a birmingham scene but they're only 2 hours apart yeah yeah it's strange
1: um, we're like the new york And they're like the L.A.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's quite a big difference. Definitely. So, um, when you, so, uh, coming from Montreal, um, it being a mostly French speaking, um, city, uh, Mm um, is, is French your first language or is it English?
1: Uh, French is my first language. Uh, the thing with Montreal, uh, Montreal is actually an island. Um, and because of, uh, the port, there is a lot of importation and exportation, which makes it a hub in Canada for a lot of business. Okay. I would like to think that that's, uh, pretty sure all that's, uh, uh, accurate. And so that's why we are one of the main cities in Canada. And because of that, our city Montreal is very bilingual. Uh, our province is Quebec and Montreal is situated in Quebec. And, uh, but as soon as the further away you drift from Montreal within Quebec, our province, uh, the less bilingual it is. So here, uh, as far as like uh, French and English communities are concerned, it's probably 50, 50 or 60, 40 leaning on the French side of things. But the further away you drift from that and from the city of Montreal, uh, uh, you know, at some point it just becomes hundred percent French, you know? Okay. And, uh, so, uh, French is my native language. Um, uh, things are pretty much bilingual as far as, uh, advertising is concerned in Montreal and our province in general. Uh, Because keep in mind that we are the French minority in Canada. All the other provinces and cities are English speaking uh, first and foremost. Uh, But you grow up within that culture, you know, within uh, the English speaking Canadian culture. And uh, as a whole within the North American culture, you know, America being, you know, quite present whether it's in north america or or everywhere in, in, in the world you know that american presence is very uh pre- is very notable in culture you know movies music and what do you do when you're a kid you watch a fuck ton of movies and you listen to a lot of music yeah and so at an early age i was lo- watching a lot of hollywood movies like Waterworld. world <laughs> 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 and uh that movie's not that good, by the way. It's it's all right. But,
0: uh, yeah, it's one of like, the uh, worst rated films on IMDb. <laughs> yeah,
1: it, it's, it's got a charm to it, though. Nice. You know, it, uh, it brings me back to that era. But, uh, yeah, just uh, being a kid, consuming a lot of Canadian and, and, and American culture, whether it be uh, television shows, uh, movies, uh, artists, music, everything. Uh, yeah, I guess I just learned English that way nice. watching Saturday morning cartoons and whatnot. And, uh, and you have to learn English at school and, uh, just made things a whole lot easier for me. But even back then as a kid or a teenager, I understood the language, but I didn't have, uh, that many opportunities to practice it, you know? So the speaking aspect of it was lacking. And then when the Spies Daikon started touring uh, English, Canada, and then America as a whole, that's when we just didn't have a choice but to speak English. You know, you can't just switch, switch to French all of a sudden like you do in Montreal to get your point across because of, you know, the bilingual culture. Yeah. Uh, you're in America and they, they don't speak a, a lick of French, you know, and so you're just, I don't know. you you just, you just learn from your interactions with people. And, you know, that's why, even though I have a bachelor's degree and and I I focused on the school aspect of things as well, uh, for me, the school of life and just personal experiences and getting out there and experiencing the world, that is the biggest teacher for me personally. So that's how I got an opportunity to perfect uh, the language. Uh, The hardest thing for a Frenchie is uh, the
0: Oh wait, sorry, you, you broke up for a second.
1: Sound, the,
0: oops, the. sorry. Can you can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yeah. Yes, my bad. I was
1: saying uh, the ths. That's extremely hard for a Frenchie to pronounce. What is in like, like Th- the. The. the? Yeah, yeah. That sound. Th- that sound. We we know we normally pronounce them as ds.
0: That sound. Okay. So d a t instead of. T-H-A-T. I I was gonna say we don't pronounce it right over here anyway so it's it's not much of an issue.
1: <laughs> I remember I was in, uh, in the studio recording uh, the third record for uh, Obey the Brave uh, Mad Season and Obey the Brave. Uh, I was uh, the only French speaking person in uh, a member in that band. Everybody, uh, everyone else being from Ottawa, the English part of Canada, and my bass player just got super anal and just started obsessing over me pronouncing ths as d's and he was like all right this line this line this line this line this line it's all mispronounced and so i went back in the studio to punch up literally syllables of words oh wow so that was in 2017 so yeah, it took me about 37 years to pronounce it right, but I got it now. <laughs> so how how was that
0: for you being in a band that had the in the name? Were you always saying obey <laughs> obey the brave? I was probably
1: saying D E instead of T H E, definitely. Obey the <laughs> obey the brave. Obey the brave, like a Frenchie would say. <laughs> I don't
0: think it it's got cool. its charm
1: to it though. Yeah, I was you can't say. forget
0: where you're from, you know? Exactly. Uh, I just want to touch on Abrave Abe the Brave for a second. Yes. Uh you guys split during lockdown. Am I right in saying that? 2020? Uh,
1: yes, July, July of last year.
0: So what led up to that decision? Um was, was it, you know, like a combination of, like you said, you were very burnt out from touring in 2019. Was you know, did that have a big part of it?
1: Uh definitely, definitely. That was the main motivation behind that decision uh everyone in that band is 5 to 10 years younger than i am and i had reached a point uh where i had been touring professionally or semi-professionally for two decades and i just needed a big change man you know i've been a i guess an entrepre- entrepreneur or uh, for my entire adult life you know music was my only income i've only had a handful of jobs outside of uh the music realm and often those were just for a few months at a time just to get get you know uh extra income to make it to make it you know uh so i just needed a big change and all that culminated to the end of 2019 with uh, during which i was just quite frankly very burnt out and um um, not, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I was just constantly living out of a suitcase, never at home, uh, being cut off from my friends and family and, uh, had a lot of negative, uh, repercussions on my, um, relationships as well, you know, uh, uh, personal relationships and, and I just felt part of a routine that you know was a lackluster in a sense that, uh, that nothing surprised me anymore yeah and so i needed that change but also i needed to step away from it to again realize how fortunate i was to be given these opportunities i look back on you know our last obey the braves last european tour with uh, kublai khan Lineheart. who else was on that fall brawl Like I didn't watch a single band play on that tour, did not enjoy myself. My head was just stuck at home. Uh, It just felt like the end. Yeah. And and looking back now over a year later, I I feel kind of ashamed because I'm like part of that 1% that actually made it and got to live out those experiences. And it's, it's sad in the sense that I was just uh, not enjoying myself, but ultimately, as I said, I just needed that time off. And I think music will forever be a part of me, but as far as being a professional uh, musician or it being my main source of income or my one and only job or touring full-time, you know, being away for six months of the year or more, I I can't get back into that mindset anymore. I am 40 years old now, and I want to ex- experience other aspects of life. You know, yeah. that's why now I want to keep touring whenever it'll be possible again, but part time, so that it's actually a paid a paid vacation. And uh, I don't know. It's not even about the money. It's just about that brotherhood, as I mentioned earlier, and just you know me rekindling with that artistic or creative aspect of of alex arian uh which will always be predominant you know yeah. it's just uh, it's it's who i am it's what i do and it's what i love the most so uh as hard as this uh pandemic bullshit is it's uh given me a lot of perspective and i am very much thankful for it you know
0: yeah it's nice that as
1: far as obey the brave is concerned um uh, it's the type of project that we had to do full-time in order to for it to be sustainable and for us to make enough money to keep the band going. And me not wanting to tour full-time anymore combined with the unfortunate events of 2020 and right now, uh, it was just not possible anymore. Yeah. But what I love about it all is that um, all the guys in OTB and I, even though we... Live 250 kilometers apart. We are still very much talking and uh friends and brothers. And I'm just happy that I um I still have access to that because first and foremost, we are friends, you know. And um I'm happy that it was just it wasn't just based in music, but there is, you know, that common bond and friendship and brotherhood. You know, we've been through the best of times and the worst of times, and ultimately growing together like that for eight years, you know, it, 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 uh, it's
0: indescribable, man. They're my homies. I'd imagine that's a good feeling, you know, knowing that your your relationship isn't reliant on you being, you know, together with music. It's, you know, you're just friends, you know, no matter what it's cool that you've managed to, you know, work out kind of what your priorities are for yourself through the hard and, uh,
1: and, uh, this doesn't just go for the last lineup of Obey the Brave because we gone we went through a few member changes, not quite a lot, but a few. And Miguel, the original bass player, uh, who left the band in probably beginning of twenty fourteen. He's still one of my best friends, and then same for Corey after that, who became our bass player, who left in. Uh end of 2018 or beginning with 2019 after getting married uh, he's still one of my best friends as well you know so uh, yeah it's for every era of the band and you know we are all still uh, communicating and i'm very much thankful for that
0: that's good Cool. So i just got one more question for you and then we can uh, can call it there Um, you mentioned in your in your statement when you were announcing that the band uh, was coming to an end Uh, that releasing music through Epitaph was one of your biggest accomplishments as a band. Um, What are some of your favorite Epitaph bands and and why was that such a uh, monumental moment for you in your career? Um, I've never considered myself a metalhead,
1: even though that was my prime focus during the second half of the 90s, nor did I consider myself a hardcore kid, even though that was my... Uh, music of choice throughout uh, the beginning of the 2000s, nor did I consider myself like a, a punk rocker, uh, even though I listened to quite a lot of that during the early 90s, you know, and during the early 90s, the bands that you listened to within punk rock were mainly either signed to Fat Records or Epitaph Records. Yep and when i think of epitaph i think of i think which was ultimately no effects' last record on fat records uh, on a uh, epitaph which was punkin drublick before switching to uh, fat records so punkin and, punkin and drublick was probably my favorite no effects or punk rock record in general because it just had that speed uh, uh you know it was just so fucking fast man and as a uh uh me starting out as a drummer back then and more and more getting into metal, but still being very much, uh, in the punk rock scene. I was fascinated by fast drumming. And so no effects was one of those bands, uh, Penny Pennywise with the record unknown road. Uh, that was another, uh, epitaph records release. Yeah. Uh, what else, man? Uh, the early rancid records. So, um, What's the second one called? Let's go. That's when I, that's the one I listen to the most. Uh, uh, and then everything, all, all the bands that were on the punkorama compilations. Nice. And as a young teenager uh, during my formative years, these are bands that I listened to a lot and then fast forwarding years and like decades later and being signed to one of those labels that's sort of like uh was an emblem for me you know becoming a musician and drummer and being passionate with music and all that and and seeing pennywise on warp tour and being like wow man that's imagine being a band and touring the world and doing that for a living you know and then all of a sudden signing to that same label that discovered that band <clears throat> it's a big deal man uh having brett from bad religion being your boss you know
0: yeah <laughs> obviously I mean. like
1: everyone else from that era i i listened to stranger uh, stranger than fiction and um no it, it was magical you know it's it's and obey the brave is actually the second band that i um <clears throat> signed an epitaph as a manager i signed another band prior to that on that label and a little a little later, uh, started obey the brave. And I didn't want to be that guy. I was like, "Yo, I'm I'm in this band now. You should sign us." You know, I I was like, "You know what? We're gonna pay our dues. I'm actually not gonna reach out to labels just yet." And so, young blood, uh, being the first obey the brave record, it was actually recorded a year before it even uh, came out. And we just sat on that record and uh did what a lot of uh bands are doing nowadays which was just drop singles you know like a lot of the current hip-hop artists just to try and make a name for ourselves but do it all independently and next thing you know people at epitaph uh with whom i was already working with they were like yo why the fuck did you not tell us that you're in this band obey the brave we were we just had a discussion on uh, about you guys you know a week ago or so and here we are finding out that you're in the band and uh you know let's 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 chat and so it was uh quite validating and uh yeah i don't know yeah. man thank, thank you thank you epitaph records much love and same goes for nuclear blast records you know um one of the first death metal compilations that i picked up as a teenager was was this compilation called death is just the beginning i believe volume Two. And on that compilation, that's, uh, listening to that as a teenager, that's how I, I, uh, found out about Meshuga. And this was before the, uh, destroy, erase, improve, you know, okay. uh, uh, I found out about In Flames before the Jester Race came out, uh, found out about Demu Borgir, uh, before en- Throne Darkness Triumphant came out, you know. You know I, I was just exposed to like melodic metal melodic death metal uh, mathcore or gent or whatever you want to call it uh, or, or just straight up death metal with bands like hypocrisy and all that and i was like wow man what are all these bands and then the common element was that they are assigned to nuclear blast and fast forward like 20 years later and now I am a nuclear blast recording artist. So I really don't do it for the ego or for the status. I'm just still, there's st- still just that passionate teenager inside of me that, uh, that still has that, you know, goal in mind. And so yeah. that's why I do it, you know,
0: 100% so it,
1: it is validating and it is uh, my motivation to uh, keep on going, you know?
0: Cool. it's cool that you're checking all those boxes of just like milestone events throughout your career you know getting signed to dream labels and and stuff it's cool to hear mm-hmm.
1: none of that is ever taken for
0: granted and i've toured with way too many people that do take that for
1: granted and uh it's important to remember where you came from and again uh, everything that we are experiencing right now i feel like a lot of uh musicians and artists uh Will rekindle with that aspect of, of of themselves and why they started in the first place, and I think ultimately all of us will benefit from that because I get a feeling people are gonna be putting out a lot of fucking timeless records when all this is said and done. Uh, a lot of quality music uh, right around the corner, so I'm very much excited to hear what my friends and peers are creating, and very much uh, looking forward to. Uh, creating this new despised icon record uh we are already two songs deep which is not a lot but you know you gotta start somewhere
0: yeah thank you for listening hope you enjoyed the episode if you did get at faultline on instagram at faultline social and let them know what you think appreciate you listening thank you